and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Last week we talked about building the Lord a house and what it meant to build the Lord a house. We talked about Ezekiel 44 and what that meant for us as, as a community, the priesthood of believers, to build the Lord a house where we minister first and foremost to Him. How many of you remember this? First and foremost to the Lord. And many times when we hear that kind of a message, well, we resonate with the message. Okay, yeah, we'll build the Lord a house. That sounds great. That sounds good. But what does that mean? And so what I want to make clear today as we talk about the church and what the church means is when we talk about building the Lord a house, the house is you. Like we're not just talking about building an organization, a 501c3, or even the church as in a by church, but we're talking about building a people, building a family that would corporately pursue the Lord together. That, 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 that what would bring us together, what would knit us together as a people would be the mission. What's the mission? That the Lord would be honored, exalted, and lifted up. And that from that place of exaltation and lifting up and adoration and praise, we would invite people into our family to do the same. Yeah. We would say, man, I know there's a lot of things going on in the world right now, and I know that things seem crazy, but have you heard of my friend Jesus? Like, as we invite people to meet the person of Jesus, they find everything they ever wanted. We talked about this, right? That there's a deep hole in our hearts that can only be fulfilled, that can only be satisfied by coming into intimate relationship with the person of Jesus. Now, now it's, important, it's important that we reconcile how the church plays into that. Because if you were to ask any one of the 200 people in here, hey, what, does, what is the church? We would have 200 different answers. The church would exist for feeding the orphans and the widows. The church would exist for discipleship. The church would exist to create a priesthood of believers. The church would exist for X, Y, Z. And if we were to go around the room, the truth is none of those things are bad. None of those things are wrong. As a church, we should have discipleship. As a church, we should take care of the widows and the orphans, and we should have programs. And so hear me. I'm not against programs. I'm not against discipleship. I'm not against, but, but here's, what I, here's where I want to get at today. The way we view church, the way we see church, it will impact how we interact with it. The way we see something will determine the way we experience it. And so let me give you a practical example. If we would come to church and we would see a church as an organization or as a business instead of as a family, it would affect the way we would engage with church. So we we would be here today, man, if I were to say to you, the church is a business, not a family, we would all say, amen, yes. We're not a business. We're a family. But I'm not always sure that we follow that train of thought all the way out. Like, I think we would resonate with with this statement, and it's very Twitterable, and you could post it, and it sounds good. But I'm not sure that we have fully followed through because for me to say that the church is not a business, but it's a family, it would require something from me. It would require an intentionality. It would require me being uncomfortable at times. It would require me building relationships, building community. And and one of the things I see, I mean, even biblically, you see, you read the book of Acts where the early church was birthed. What you see is not God birthing his presence coming. What is the fruit of his presence coming? You see God landing on a group of believers and they become a family. I mean, you got to look at Acts 2.42. It says, the Holy Spirit comes, changes. One day, 3,000 believers are added unto them. And then it says this, all of the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. 
like the fruit of the presence of God coming in power, the promise of the Holy Spirit was not, let's build an organization. Like, let's mobilize, let's mobilize, let's figure this out, and how can we multiply that? Like, what happened when God came and he touched them is he knit them together, and now they were as a unit pursuing God. They were trying to figure out, now how can we help them become a part of the way? And some of the conversations we have today, I'm not sure that they really, they would really mix with the early church. This is the way my mind works. I'm not really sure that, like, Peter was going up to, to, to John and saying, hey, John, how did you like the church? How was church on Sunday? Uh, you know, I left the church of Jerusalem. I just didn't really feel the worship on Sunday. Just really wasn't, like, they worshiped a little bit too long, so I decided to go to the church of so-and-so. Or like, hey, Peter, man, how's your church life going? I don't know, man. Like, I just don't feel like I'm getting fed there anymore. I'm just like, I'm just not feeling fed. And like, I'm going to go somewhere else where I feel fed. Where, And here's the thing that we have to battle as, as a people, as a nation, is like we have been indoctrinated with consumerism. And our whole lives, oh, man, this is week two. I can step on toes now. We have been indoctrinated with making all of our lives about us. I'm the center of my life, and if it doesn't make me happy, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push it out. And that works in the business world. That works at a restaurant. When I go to a restaurant, that works. Because when I go to a restaurant, I love good customer service. I love it. We go to restaurants. Some of our favorite restaurants, you would go there because of the way that they would treat you. Can we agree? And so when you walk into a restaurant, you, there's a certain expectation. There's an expectation that when you walk in, somebody's going to come to you, and they're going to tend to you. And they're, and they're going to take care of your needs. So if I go to a restaurant and I walk in and it's like 15 minutes, nobody comes to the table, I'm not, I'm not going to make a scene, but I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember that they didn't come to, they didn't bring me my bread. You're like, that's petty. You do the same thing. You don't go back. You're like, oh, I'm just not, they just don't care. The, the customer service. And so the problem is when we come into church, how many of you know that doesn't work at my house? I can't just walk into my house and sit on my chair and go, hey. Nobody's bringing me water. Where's the bread? Out of one of the bedrooms, like somebody's like, get your own bread, bro. Like, get your own cup of water. And, and here's the point. Like, I don't think that anybody would say, yeah, man, I really want to be a part of a consumeristic church. I'm, I'm for that. Like, I really just make. But what I'm saying is we have been taught and led in such a way where when things don't go the way we think they should go or, or we're not treated the way, they're not tending to my needs. We have been told, well, then go to the next place. And so, and the, the problem is, listen, I'm for the church. I love the church. I've been doing this ministry since 2008. I've given my life to this. But, but we've got to be honest and reconciling that things probably aren't the way they should be all the time. That, like, let's not be so proud to think that there are not any issues or any breakdowns in the system. There's something wrong when we have a church every quarter mile. And there's things like denominations and all of these things that you don't see biblically, but they become a problem when you have a church every quarter mile, but nobody knows each other's name. Nobody works together. It becomes a competition. Nobody's washing the feet of the other one. So, so again, I'm not here to, to talk negatively about the church. What I'm here is to open up our eyes to, to, to the reality is we can't treat church as a business because it's a family. And there are certain things that family, they require and I want to open up to Ephesians real quick. And I want to kind of show you, like Paul's giving the church of Ephesus, and he's speaking. I want you to see it in the context of family. 
Not an organization, not a restaurant, but in, but in, but in the context of family. So in Ephesians 2.19, he's talking to them about being a temple for the Lord and being built together. And he's saying, so now you Gentiles, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. He's talking about God bringing together the family. Like, hey, we are the family now. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. And he says this, you are members of God's what? You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. That's why it all has to be about him, for him, and through him. Because he is the chief cornerstone. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Do you see the family language here that Paul is using as he's inviting us to build him a house? We talked about this. Listen, he's talking about building. We are his house. He's talking about a people. He's not talking about the church of Ephesus. He's not talking about the temple. He's talking about a people group. And he's saying, listen, we are joined together by Christ and we are made one, but it's all for something. Like, like what I want you to see today is that every voice matters and every contribution is important. Like, I know we have been taught that there's a church staff, and the staff does the work of the ministry, and maybe you can plug in once every six weeks, and then you can contribute, and I'm thankful for that. But when I, what I want to say to you is maturity, like true maturity in God, happens in the context of family. There are things that are available for you that God is inviting us into as a community that you will not find outside the context of family. If all we did was ever grow up going to restaurants and having and paying for food and having people cook for us, how many of you know we would never learn how to cook? We would never know what it was like to turn on a stove or wash dishes. But how many of you know it would also be weird if I went to the restaurant and the server came up to me and says, Hey, Brian, we need some help with the dishes in the back. You want to come? You see how the dynamics, like, it's a strange dynamic because we have this blended reality where sometimes we treat the church as a business and sometimes we treat it as family. And when that mixture happens, we become intellectually offended because we're like, well, that's not going the way I think it should go. And what I believe the Lord is doing is he is repurposing, he's giving us a new vision, a new way to see that he's building us, a holy people, into his family together. So there are certain things that are awkward, man. Like when I sit around, when I sit around my family, at a house with my family, like with my family, they could ask me certain questions like, how are you doing, man? How's your job? How's your heart doing? There are certain, there's a certain level of access that I give to my family when we sit around the table that I'm not giving to the person at Taco Bell. If I walk up to Taco Bell and I order a burrito and the lady's like, how's your heart? I'm like, whoa. Are you a prophet? Like, what's going on? So what I want you to see is, like, God is reestablishing the parameters of what it looks like to be church. I mean, even, even as Paul goes on, like, sometimes we treat church like, well, I'm going to go there and I'm going to order what I want. And this is even the way we treat the Bible. Like, we approach Christianity, and, and, and in, in the early church, this wouldn't have been a thing because it wasn't about what church do you go to, what song or denomination. You were either, this was the question they had to answer. Are you following the way? Are you a part of the way? 
Like, are you a follower of Jesus or not? There wasn't all these sects and all these different things for us to give ourselves to, but, but because we've been divided and we've made church about us, we treat Christianity like a buffet line. It's like we come with our lives and we're like, I'll take some grace. I'll take some mercy, conviction. I don't like that, man. That's green beans. <laughs> and it's like every week we come back, and I just want you to practically see how silly it looks. How silly it looks to think that we would come to God's table and we would just partake of the things that feel good and we would exclude ourselves from the things like, I don't really want to be in community because that doesn't make me feel good. Like, I don't really want to serve. I don't know, man. Like, I don't got time for that. And I was reading a book this week, man. It was actually an audible book and it was talking about the concept of time. And the guy was saying, hey, listen, I know we live in a culture that's like, well, we don't have time for that. I don't have time. And we have exalted this thing about how busy we are. But he came, and this is a busy person, says, we have time for the things that we care about. And he made me repeat. I was listening to the audible, and the guy's like, repeat after me. I have time. I'm like, I have time. I just don't want to do it. And I'm like, oh, that's, I don't like that. I don't like the way that feels. No, no, no. They got, then he, he's like, no, own it. I have time. I just don't want to do it. And in the context of, of treating a church like a restaurant, that's fine. Because if you don't want to go to that restaurant, don't go to the restaurant. But when you have family and you get invited to Thanksgiving and you don't show up, something's wrong. Some, so people begin to ask questions like, man, what's going on? Why are they missing? And that's the goal, right? Like one of my favorite, one of my favorite holidays is Thanksgiving. Because everybody comes together and everybody plays a part. I mean, for the most part, if you don't and you do it all, I'm sorry. But in, in healthy family, everybody plays a part and everybody contributes. And, and, and in family, it doesn't matter. Like my wife, she makes the sweet potato casserole most of the time at Thanksgiving dinner. And it's amazing. It's one of the best. When everybody eats it, they're going for the sweet potato casserole. But how many of you know there was preparation that took place in order for people to experience that casserole? Now, how weird would it be if people were sitting around the table and they're eating, and every time somebody took a bite, my wife would be like, you're welcome for that. You took that bite because I did that. You see how weird that is? Like, no, 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 how about if we were to show up to Thanksgiving, like, hey, we need somebody to peel sweet potatoes for, for the meal. Like, we need help. You're like, I don't feel called to sweet potatoes. I'm not carrying a word for sweet potatoes on the inside. It, like, I didn't receive, like, I, I got to pray. It's like, no, bro. We, we, and everybody plays a part because it's what's required to be able to do family. You understand? Like, are you seeing the difference? And when we approach, like, when we approach, here's the thing. It's like I take out the trash. Like, the guys don't cook, thank the Lord. But we clean up afterwards. It, every time somebody would throw a plate, we're like, you're welcome. You're welcome. You don't have to hold on to that trash because I'm taking it out. That trash is not overflowing because of my function and gifting. As I take out the trash and I put it in the recycle. And this is the way we treat church. It's like, I, I want you to see, as Paul begins, continues on in Ephesians 4, he's talking about, like, the church governance like how the church is supposed to operate. It doesn't always operate, but this is, I believe, the Lord's intention for church. And he says in Ephesians 4, he says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. I want you to see this. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's you. 
This will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be what? Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full, complete standard of Christ. Let's go. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. It should be there in Jesus' name. No? Prophetically speaking here. No? Okay. We'll do it in the Bible. Praise God. Through him. Nope, there it is. Praise God. Then you will no longer be immature. So he's wanting to make us mature. He says, then you will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak truth in love. Praise God. Growing in every way more to be like Christ who is the head. Who's the head? Jesus. And be more like Christ who is the head. Yeah. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Praise God. As each part does its own special work. So it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Do you see the picture? That God would give us apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. So that we would mature. And maturity, like this is the thing, man. Sometimes we, we talk about being spirit-filled and spirit-led, but many times we have to be so externally motivated to do anything for the Lord. We need the right music, the right, the right leadership, the guy with the right, the right outfit, with the right speaker. And what I'm saying is like, that worked in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it was very much external motivation. Hey, Susie, love your mother. What if I don't? We will stone you. Like, okay, I think I'll do that. Don't cheat on your husband or your wife. What happens? We, you will die. Like, okay, I think I'll do that. But, but in the New Testament, it doesn't work that way. It's a higher standard of grace. It's like, hey, it's not even anymore like don't cheat on your husband or wife. It's like if you look lustfully, you've already done it. It's not don't murder. Like don't, no, if you have hate in your heart, you are murdering that person already. He's talking about an inward reality that is only available to us by the Holy Spirit. By listening to his voice and allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us. But because we have been so conditioned to be externally motivated and having things position us and make us feel the right way, we no longer see ourselves as contributors to the family. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so again, when we say, man, the church is a house, not a restaurant, we're like, yeah. But I would say, what does that mean for you? When we show up to Thanksgiving, man, there are certain people that come to Thanksgiving that it's okay, man. It's okay that they come and they don't contribute. I don't expect my seven-year-old son to get up and cook a turkey. If somebody new comes to Thanksgiving, this is their first time, they're like, yo, 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 just chill. It's fine. Just enjoy. But there's always like that awkward 50-year-old uncle that shows up and is like, yo, where's the tea at? You know who it is. If you don't know, it's probably you. There's always that old, like, bro, you show up every year and you do nothing. And you're so loud. Like, don't. And here's what I'm saying to us as a church. Like, don't be that guy. Don't be that person. Like, ask, this is the question I get all the time. Like, hey, man, what is the church doing about the poor? What are we doing? Um, that's a great question. What are you doing about the poor? Uh -huh. I'm going to say it to this side. They didn't like that. Like, hey, man. What are you doing? For, my kids want to grow up in the Lord. What are you guys up? That's a great question. How are you discipling your kids? You see, you see the change? Again, we have a kids program. We just talked about launching Sunday school and men's ministry. We're not against that. 
But when we put the full emphasis and responsibility of maturity on the fivefold and we don't take personal responsibility, something goes wrong. Something goes wrong because it's just when you don't give yourself to something, it's just too easy to walk away. When you're not invested and you're not like hands in the ground, like, no, I have sweat, blood, and tears on this. It's too easy to get offended and say, I'm just going to go on to the next thing. And we make the whole thing self-serving. Man, they just worship too long. You don't know. Listen, here's the reality. You don't know who needs to get to minute 53 in the worship set to receive breakthrough. You may be tired of the song, like today, they sang at 20 minutes, it was spontaneous songs. You don't know who was in the building that needed that kind of encouragement. And so when the narrative becomes, I'm just, I'm just over it, why don't they move on? Why don't we change to praying, God, there must be somebody in this room that needs breakthrough. We've got to start approaching it as a family. We've got to start approaching it as a house, not a business, not a restaurant. And here's the thing, man. In family, there's no hierarchy. My wife's not making sweet potato casserole going, one day I'm going to cook the turkey. I see you, turkey guy. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you like I'm, on my, like I'm about to level up. In family, it's like, man, we're all here. And when I'm at the table and somebody asks me about my life, here's the thing I don't understand. When you're in church and somebody wants to be in your life and you get offended, it's like, what are we really doing here? What are we really doing? Because in order for me to, do, to be too mature, not you, but me, in order for me to mature, I'm going to need a John Valentin in my life. I'm going to need a Tyler who's asking me, how are you doing? And I'm not going to be offended by the question because according to that scripture, he's fitting us together to mature us. Which means there's something about them that I need to be fully mature and to grow in love. But here's the truth, man. If my son right now who's seven stopped growing and he never grew another inch, he just stayed the same height, the same face. For the next three years, how many of you know I begin to ask, what's going on? I'm like, something, the family would begin to mobilize. Something's going on with Judah. Let's put together a plan to figure out why he's not growing. You know where I'm going. But the moment somebody were to walk up to us, not you, maybe me, and say, hey, man, ah, I don't, you don't look any more like Jesus than you did six months ago. See how quiet it gets in the room? Because like, no, 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 you don't have that kind of access to my life. And I would say, I agree because you've treated it as a business. Not as family. Because family does life on life. There are certain parts and access that my family gets to me. And I'm not saying that you have to let everybody know everything. But I would begin to ask the question, why aren't you letting anybody in? Here's what I know about family. Family, they offend and they hurt one another. I don't get to close off the moment my wife does something that I don't like. Like, oh, that's that. I'm done. I'm closing off. We remain and we keep our hearts open because we know that's the healthiest way to engage in the family dynamic. Are you with me? So I believe the Lord is, he's, he's wanting this paradigm shift to happen for us. To begin to see, like, as we talk about the church, we stop thinking about it as a building. We stop thinking of it as an organization. Like, when you give, that you're giving to family. That you're serving for family. It's like, well, we need help in the children's. We need help in the nursery. I don't feel called to the nursery. What does that have to do with anything? 
My wife doesn't feel called to peel potatoes, but there she was on Thanksgiving. Why? Because there's a greater reality called family that it all serves a purpose so that everybody can sit at the table of the Lord and receive what they need. And I know, like, listen, there's room. There's room for immaturity. Like, in this, there's, there's room in geo for maturity. And some of you are like, amen. There's room in my life for maturity. There's room for growth. But what I'm saying is if we don't, if we don't learn to engage and to be internally motivated by the Holy Spirit, we will be year after year saying, this is going to be my year, brother. This is my year of breakthrough. And it's like same system, same processes, same closed off life. It's going to be the same results. And when you begin to talk about church as family, it gets muddy, man, because we live in a culture where it's like, what really is family? What really is family? We've never lived in a time of history where it's been easier to say, I'm going my way, you go your way, we'll do you. You do and I'll do me. But what I'm saying is, is, is in a kingdom family, we don't get to quit on one another. Like the Bible is clear in Colossians, it says make room for each other's faults and make allowances. Because like as we do family together, it's going to be messy. And I've seen the most breakthrough in my life relationally when somebody would offend me or they would hurt me or they would do something wrong and instead of running away, I run to them. I'm like, man, I know what they did is wrong, but I, I'm not going to be judged because I make mistakes. So instead of trying to punish them, I'm going to run to them. And I'm going to say, man, I'm going to fight for this relationship. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for this community. And this is the perspective of church that, that God is trying to give us. I'm telling you, a church that operates as family and does more than just Sunday morning Christianity cannot be divided. It's like the moment we see division, we say, hey, let's talk about this. Let's not be offended. Let's bring somebody in. And listen, this is the truth. Right now in this body, we have none of this going on. But make no mistake about it, the enemy will try to find any place to sneak in. The enemy will try to find any place. It's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. And so what I'm saying, in the context of family, man, I grew up in a Hispanic household. If you know anything about Hispanics, like, there's a line. And if you mess with me beyond that line, my mom's going to knock you out. You're just going to get hit. It's just, is what she's in the crowd right now. It's great. I love you, mom. I love you. You're just, it just is what it is. And what I'm saying is, like, we become so quick to just give up on people instead of saying, I'm going to fight for you. Like, you're my brother, you're my sister. We're doing life on life together. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to insert into a community, and I'm going to give myself. And if i got to peel potatoes, if i got to set up chairs, if i got to take out the trash, whatever it looks like, what I know is when I show up to the table, I'm going to contribute. Because in God's family, being a son and a daughter, it looks like something. And I want to say to you, man, if the only time, like, there's this weird thing that happens where it's like, well, I'm just going to show up. For, we would call this Thanksgiving, right? How many of you know, like, Sunday morning would be the Thanksgiving. We all come together. We celebrate. It's an amazing time. We jump. We shout. But the, the relationships doesn't go, can only go so deep on Thanksgiving. In order to relationally have equity, you've got to have conversations from Thanksgiving to Thanksgiving. So I want to invite you in, man. I want to invite you, no matter where you're at, like, what is God saying to you in this season? I believe that in every season, in every season, God wants to bring his kingdom through you in some way. Through you. 
Like, I don't believe that the vehicle for God pouring out his presence is going to be in a program, a system, or a structure. We create the program, the system, or the structure, but the presence of God biblically always is carried by a people. It is always carried by a people. So, so I want to say to you, man, I want to ask you the question today, like, are you maturing? Like, think about it. Like, in all love, if our job as a church is to mature you, then we've got to ask the question, are you still approaching Christianity like this? And choosing the parts that you don't like, like, I've gotten to the point where I'm starting to like the portions of the scripture that make me uncomfortable. I can wake up every morning and read John 15, and it feels good. I'm like, I like that. Our church is called Abida. I love it. But then there are certain times where it's like, man, you've got to bless those who persecute you. And I'm like, I don't know, bro. They can catch some hands. Like, I don't know. But what he's calling us as a people is to mature. And so Paul, he gives this illustration. He says, man, I would that you would mature. Some of you are still on milk, but I would that you would be on meat. How many of you know I can't just walk up, like if I had a baby right now, I'm not just going to walk up to that three-month-old baby and say, here's some steak, mature. (laughs) There's a process. There's a process. And like sometimes we come into church and it's like we want to go right from milk to meat without going through the process of doing life on life. Like, man, what, what, we, we, we want you to be in community. Well, what small group format? Wait a minute. So what you're telling me is we've got to create a system and a structure for you to build community in your life? For you to do life on life with people, we've got to create a vehicle? We no longer know how to walk up and say, yo, what's your name? Here's my name. Let's go do coffee. Let's talk about Jesus. I know this wasn't going to get a big amen sermon. Because it, it confronts us where we've put all the responsibility on a leadership and a paid people, and we've said, we're just going to show up. And if we don't like what's happening, we'll just take our little $10 somewhere else. And what I'm saying is, like, in family culture, we don't do that. In family culture, like, we all come and we all contribute because it's all into sitting at the table and getting to know one another and experiencing the Lord. And here's the truth, man. Like, there's something about healthy family that is attractive. I don't know how to put something to it, but you know, like, we, we, I grew up in, in, a, in, a, in a home where my mom and dad had split. And so there was a lot. But I remember going to Destiny's house and on Sundays, and they would sit at the table, and we would eat. And I would be done eating, and I'm like, why are we still at the table? Like, I would be used to eating and then just going about my business. And they would sit at the table for two hours and just talk about life. And I'm like... This is freaking awkward. <laughs> like, what? I, I don't want to talk to you. I don't know you. And her dad is, like, interrogating me, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I just like your daughter. Leave me alone. <laughs> but, but, like, the more that I partook of family, it shifted from this is awkward to, oh, man, I can't wait till Sunday, 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 Sunday lunch because I know that I'm going to come to the table and we're all going to get to talk and we're going to do life on life. What's the point? Like, as we do family, as we do family together, it's attractive. And we sit around sometimes and we spend money on programs trying to attract people when in reality all people are really looking for is, can I be a part of that family? It's not lights. It's not the music. It's not the preaching. It's like, do I belong in this family? 
Family culture can't be bought. It can't be imparted. I can't lay hands on you and go, oh, we're family now. It's an intentional decision from a group of people that would say, you know what, I'm going to give my life to this. I'm going to stop approaching the church and I'm going to take personal responsibility <laughs> for my faith. So like if the church, if the church stopped, ceased to exist tomorrow, I wouldn't have to worry about whether I go to heaven or to hell. Because I got seven or eight people that we're doing life on life. I got my Bible and I got eyes, I could read it. I got a Holy Spirit that is going to reveal the word to me. So this is all great and this is all good. We love this. We're building this. But what I'm saying is, if you're codependent on this, something's wrong. It would be no different than for you to say, the only time I'm eating lunch is on Thanksgiving. I'm going on strike. Unless there's turkey, there's mashed potatoes, and I'm not eating. You'd be like, bro, you've got to have some kind of nutrition from year to year. I would say to you, man, if the only time you're getting fed, you're engaging with Jesus, you're engaging with the word, is when it's being put on that thing, you're, at some point there's going to be malnourishment. So I want to invite us into this. Let me make sure there's nothing else that I want to say to you. So, so again, I want, I want to emphasize this. The problem is not immaturity. It's that in the context of family, growth is required. It's required. Just like my son, I want to see him grow. He believes he's going to be a basketball player. I don't think he fully understands I'm like five foot five. It's not in the cards for him. <laughs> but my job is to encourage him. You can do that, son. Yes. So, so let's stand really quickly. I want us to spend a moment here praying. Why are we going to spend a moment praying? Because there is an aspect of this that only the Holy Spirit can do. There's, a, there's an aspect to knitting our hearts together that happens by the Holy Spirit. That's part of why the Bible says pray for those who persecute you because it's really hard for you to slander somebody you're praying for. It's really hard for you to speak negatively about somebody that you're, that you're praying for out of your mouth. So I'm going to spend the next few minutes here. If I can get somebody on the keys in Jesus' name. Somebody help. I want to spend a few minutes praying. And I want you to pray for the people to the left and to the right. I believe this is one of the most powerful things we could do as family is be knit together in prayer. But also that we ask the Lord, like, Lord, how am I approaching the church? Like, how, how am I engaging? How am I engaging with church? And Father, what in this season do you want me to contribute? So I'm going to pray over us. Father, I pray in this moment that you would speak to every person in this room. God, I know there's a way that the world says we should be doing church and we should be doing family, but Lord, we want to know from you, how do you want us to do church? How do you want us to do family? How do you want us to engage with you in the place of relationship, God? And Father, as a community, we just reject consumeristic Christianity. And we reject coming to the table and asking only what, what's in it for me. But God, we want to be kingdom contributors. We want to engage with you, God, as family members, Lord. And Father, I thank you for every person in the room. 
I thank you, Father, that you have a gifts and anointings for them. You have something that you want to do in every single person. So, Father, help us to, re to remove ourselves from buffet-line Christianity where we take what we want and we leave what we want, but help us to fully engage with what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, a follower of the way. And God, I ask that you help us to model this. You, you said in John 17, Jesus, you prayed that we would be united as one so that the world would know that we are your followers. We're asking you, Lord, would you unite us? Would you help us to be family, not just in word, but in deed? That we would pick one another up, that we would love one another, that we would encourage one another, that we would see one another. And Father, if there's anyone in this room right now that feels on the outside of the family, Father, help us to see them. We just want to say we receive you. We receive you. There's room for you at the table. There's room for you in God's family. Father, help us to be a Spirit-led people. That we would be motivated inwardly by the Spirit. That we would not need external motivators to get it going. But that we would carry a passion for family and for kingdom. And we would be able to operate from that place. prophetic company up Pastor Tiffany will come but I want to say something one of the biggest obstacles to giving your life to kingdom family is, is being wounded in the process of doing it in the past as I was praying I could feel that man and one of the things I feel as prophetic company comes forward some leaders are going to come and be available for prayer if you're carrying a spiritual wound and you feel like, man, this is stopping me from fully giving my heart to family. Again, not to a church or to a 501c3, to family. I want to encourage you to make your way down and partner with somebody in this area. Because it's going to be impossible for you to carry that offense, carry that hurt, carry that pain, and fully give yourself to the process of family. So they're going to come up. They're going to pray for the sick. If you need to get right with Jesus, if you're here and you're far from the Lord, I want to invite you this morning into the family. This is the time for you to respond. If you're living in sin, if you're broken, so as Pastor Tiffany comes forward, she's going to give some more instructions, but I want to encourage you, do not walk out today with what you walked in with. Amen? I really want to lean into that because I was feeling the same thing about just some spiritual wounds, some offense. Um, I want to pray into that. The Lord sees that and he cares about that. But the only way to get free sometimes is to make yourself vulnerable. So um, I'm going to call for all, all things so that you don't have to be embarrassed to come forward. Um, so if you have any physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, if you need financial breakthrough, I've also just really feel like there are some people who have been praying and believing for specific things that you just need somebody to come into agreement with you or you're praying for um, 
the salvation of a family member or the things that Pastor Gio and I just talked about that, that offense or those wounds, would you just go ahead and come forth? And we have a team here who wants to pray with you. They've been praying for words of knowledge and prophetic words this morning. So I'm not going to take a long time here. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you guys to come. So Lord, thank you for the word this morning. And God, we thank you for the warfare that took place in worship this morning, God, that as you were lifted high, strongholds were brought low. And God, we thank you that not only do you care about strongholds being broken, but you care about our hearts, our wounds, our offenses, our finances, our physical bodies. God, you care about every part of us. So Lord, right now, would you just cover every person in this building, God? And would you soften hearts, Lord, that we may be transparent and open and willing to come. God, I thank you for healing right now. God, I thank you for healing necks and shoulders right now in the name of Jesus. Does anybody in here have like neck and shoulder pain that you've been praying? Yeah, can we can we pray for you in your head too? Yeah, can you come forward? Because I, I felt that in worship that the Lord wanted to heal that this morning. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Tyler, will you pray with Dolly? Thank you. In Jesus' name, yeah, if you need a prayer, please come. 